Hey, Fuse, happy Wednesday. How's everybody feeling at every campus? Love it. Hey, the first thing that I just wanted to make sure I said from my mouth to every campus, I'm just standing up here watching this roll in, and I've been doing Fuse for 10 years now. And I'm standing up here with my heart racing thinking, man, it feels like it feels like God's just getting started with what he wants to do in you and Fuse and in your generation. So just know from me, I love you. I believe in you. And what I'm speaking to you tonight, I believe can radically change your life. So know that's the heart I'm coming from tonight. I also want to say I got to play basketball before worship tonight. And uh, if you show up like right before the service, that's cool, I guess. Um, but just know you're missing some sweet family time beforehand. And you might even be able to beat a couple people in a three-point contest. Not that that happened, Adarius and Quay, but it might have. And you know who you are. Just playing. All right, let's get started tonight. Um, we are starting a new series this week. How many are sad Exodus is over? All right, well, a few. I hope your campus was more, you know, involved in Anderson. Come on, guys, I believe. I believe in us tonight. Because here's the thing. The good news is, if you loved Exodus, which I did, we are not actually moving. We're moving from the Exodus series, but we're not moving from the Israelites. So we've got a lot to get through tonight because we're actually just journeying with them from Egypt to this place called the wilderness. So different series, same journey, if that makes sense. So uh, I want to I wanna tell you this. But what I wanted to do was pick up exactly where we left off last week. Does anybody remember where we left the Israelites last week? We're about to go into the wilderness. But we left them at the edge of the Red Sea, also known as the Reed Sea. They had just seen this miraculous move of God. They'd just seen waters parted. But here's what I wanted to do. Before we move with them into the wilderness, I want us to engage our imaginations tonight. And travel back with them as if you and I were actually on the edge of the Red Sea with them about to walk into the wilderness. So if you haven't used your imagination in a while, I'm going to invite you to head back in time to the days where you love to use your imagination. Where everything was a game, where everything was fun. Because I'm telling you this right here tonight, it's going to be a lot of fun. But together, let's go back to the edge of the Red Sea and imagine the scene. So here we are. One of the craziest events in human history has just taken place. And you were a part of it. Everything and everyone is still in the midst of chaos. Donkeys and sheep let out angry cries to let their owners know their displeasure. People are fixing and resetting their carts from the crossing. And as they do, you hear the clanging of silver cups and clay pots full of possessions that you took from your Egyptian neighbors as you plundered them on your way out of town. Children around you are crying, hugging close to their mothers. Families are scrambling to make sure they have everyone, to make sure no one was lost in the madness that just ensued. So many names are being yelled out, it's hard to discern one 
from another. For a few minutes, everything kind of becomes this dull roar. Your, your ears are ringing and your mind reeling. The question hanging in the air, what just happened? All of a sudden, deep silence falls on everyone. It's quiet now. Strangely quiet. All except for the sounds of the waters of the Red Sea bouncing back into place as the wind blows away any sign that it was ever split in half by the hand of God in the first place. Then, then you remember the men. Thousands of them along with their horses, their Egyptian chariots, their swords and weapons of war, they now all lay at the bottom of the sea, along with the footprints you left as you and your family crossed miraculously on dry land. God did it. He was faithful. You realize you, you have everyone. You're saved. You're safe. But everything's different now. You don't speak it but you know everyone around you shares the same feelings. There seems to be this shared, deep, appropriate fear of the Lord. But then, something begins to break the silence. A woman, just one at first, Miriam, the sister of Moses, begins to sing a song of praise and worship to God the God who you have just seen work a mighty salvation for you and your family. Uncertainty and confusion give way to joining with her in song. More and more begin to pour out praise. You can't help yourself, you do too. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord, he is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. And as suddenly as the song starts, it comes to a close. And with that, everyone picks up their belongings and begins their long journey into the wilderness. This is where we find the Israelites tonight. This is where we find ourselves tonight. Right on the edge of salvation, the edge of being freed, with no real idea of what lies ahead other than its wilderness, right? You see, the Israelites, guys, have been slaves for hundreds of years. All they know is slave life. I'm a slave, my mom and dad were a slave, my grandparents were a slave, I'm a slave. No, you shouldn't, that's different, different thing. But all they had known, that's all they had known was slave life. I work like a slave, I think like a slave, I live in fear like a slave. But now they're not slaves, right? God has delivered them from Egypt, marked them by passing through the Red Sea, and now they're free with no idea how to live like free people. Because all they'd known for hundreds of years was how to live like slaves. And I think we're probably a lot like them. Right? Remember, we, like the Israelites, were born enslaved. Sin, listen, sin is our master from birth. Controlling our minds, our behaviors, our desires, direction. Romans 7 actually tells us that in our very nature, we are born slaves to sin. And we have to be set free. 
And this is what we talked about last week, that enter Jesus, the one who paid the payment for sin that we could not pay, the one who delivered us, the one who now marks us with his life. We are free. But how many of you know that the day after you got saved, you woke up the next morning and were like, I'm saved. What do I do now? You know? Many of you have been baptized here at Fuse or on a Sunday, and you come up out of the water, and you're like, pump your fists. Yes, I'm saved. I'm freed. What does that mean? Well, that's exactly what the wilderness is about. We now, the Jesus who saved us now becomes our teacher. And let me tell you his destination for you and for me in this series. Galatians 5.1 says it like this. Y'all put your eyes on the screen. Let's read this together. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. If you've ever wondered God's desire for you, there it is in that scripture. Freedom. What does God want from me? Uh, nothing. He wants everything for you. Freedom. Why would God save me? Because he wants freedom for you. Freedom, 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 freedom. I hope that's what you get as we communicate in the series that Christ died and now wants to teach you how to live like free people. So here's the concept I want to write down. If you have your phone, if you've got a notebook, write this down tonight that we will learn over the next few weeks. And it's this. Salvation sets us free, but the wilderness shows us how to live free. Salvation sets us free. You've been saved. When you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've been saved. You've been set free. But now we are taken into the wilderness to learn how to live like free people. Because all we've known our whole lives is slavery. We now have to, be have to be taught how to live free. Because you see, salvation is the starting block, not the finish line. Okay? If you thought, check, got saved, done, going to wait till heaven. No, that's the starting block to the freedom God wants to teach you how to live in daily. So what does it mean to be free? If that's God's goal in salvation, apparently there's a journey to get there. A journey of unlearning something in order to learn from him. But, we, but before the next few weeks, we're going to get into exactly how God does that with the Israelites and how God does that for us. But first, I just want to talk about the wilderness tonight for my time remaining. And here's kind of the title of my message. You can write this down too. Why wilderness? Right? Why wilderness? God seems adamant about leading his people to true freedom, but apparently through this crazy path through the wilderness, and according to scripture, it's not because it was the only path there was. Apparently there were many paths, shorter paths to be able to take, but I wanna just show you three scriptures that shows God's adamant about the wilderment, wilderness being our path to freedom. So y'all look at this, Exodus 13, 17 through 18a is the first one, and we're just kinda gonna hit these like this for you to see the point that I'm proving. 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, look at this. God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. It was the closer path, it was the shorter path. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. So this is when they've been led out of Egypt toward the Red Sea by way of wilderness. Exodus 14, one through three says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal 
Zaphon, sounds like a person I know, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. Okay, pause right here, little side preach. Pharaoh knew the shortest way, the closest way to get out of Egypt, and he sees them going a different way. So Pharaoh thinks, these people are crazy. They're lost. They don't know what they're doing. Side preach, if you start following Jesus, people will start to think you are crazy by going the way that you're going. Pharaoh thought this. That's not the way to go. Why'd they go that way? That's not the closest way. If you start following Jesus and people start saying, you, lose, you have lost your mind, why are you living that way? Well, it is God's miraculous way. And she'd probably say, check, I'm probably headed in the right direction. If, especially if you have people in your life who are trying to control you like Pharaoh was trying to control the Israelites. If you already have some, listen, you all know that you have friends in your life that are very manipulating, controlling, and demeaning to you. So as soon as you get a taste of freedom and they see the freedom you're living in, don't be surprised if they start saying you're crazy. You say, have fun in Egypt, I'm headed towards freedom. Okay, side preach, that's not even the message. Last scripture, we gotta keep going. Exodus 15, 22, so this is after the Red Sea. Then Moses made Israel set, set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. I'm trying to prove to you God is adamant, adamant about the wilderness being the way to freedom. Now, how many of you have ever actually been in like a wilderness or a desert? Show of hands at every campus. And I don't mean like Columbia in the summertime. I mean like actually been in the desert. Okay, I've been in Arizona um, to like go to the Grand Canyon, but we drove through the desert. Let me tell you what's out in the desert whole lot of nothing. There's no shade. There's not a lot of water. There's barely even any um, like bushes or anything. All I can think of, you know, like cartoons and stuff or old Westerns when it's like, <whistles> that was a terrible whistle. You know what I'm talking about? And it's just like that one tumbleweed. That's a lot like the desert. Let me tell you what I noticed the desert was marked by death. There's a lot of dead stuff out there. So why would God take the Israelites through a place known for death in order to teach them life. Don't miss this. Everybody, I can see some people with your heads back, but your heads up. Look at me. This is important. God took his people through the wilderness and wants to take us through the wilderness in order to find freedom because he knew there were things in them that needed to die. There are things in us old slave mentalities, enslavement to, to sin that need to die so that we can learn how to live. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So God wants to take us through the wilderness because there are things actually strangling the life out of you that we have befriended, that we thought were safe, that God's like, that needs to die or it'll never let you live. Gotta take him into the wilderness. Hey, side note, guess who was led into the wilderness right after he was baptized? Jesus. If Jesus had to learn what it meant to submit to the Father through the wilderness, why would we think we learn any other way? It's God's grace. So I have three quick things tonight that I wanna talk about that I think the wilderness needs to kill in us so that we can live. Okay, three things. If you're ready, say yes. 
All right, so three things. The first one is this. The wilderness kills our dependence on anything other than God. The wilderness kills our dependence on anything other than God. Here's what I think about the Israelites. They knew desperation for God. They did not know complete dependence on God. They'd never had to. Let me expand on that a little bit. They'd been slaves for hundreds of years. So here's a lot of what their prayer life was like. Help. Get us out. Free us. Desperation to get out of slavery. But because they were provided for in a slight way, they'd never have to, had to know complete dependence on God. Enter into the wilderness. Guess, what, guess who's not there? Pharaoh or the taskmasters who'd been feeding them for hundreds of years. Scraps of food, uh, basically a shed for a home, uh, little pieces of life. But the one who had been providing for them, even though it was only a shadow of life, was no longer there. So they had to learn how to live in complete dependence on God in the wilderness. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the next few weeks, but they literally get like three days into the, three, three days into the wilderness and they start grumbling at Moses and God saying, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to be slaves again. What is my knee jerk? But then I think we're a lot like them because here's what I think is the main, okay, the main issue in our culture right now is this. We have confused freedom and independence. Let me expand. We've confused freedom and independence. I think the Israelites, they didn't want actual freedom. They wanted independence. Let me tell you what independence is. Complete self-sufficiency. I get to define myself and I get to define truth in how I live. Does that not sound like the world right now? But you need to know freedom is not independence. Freedom is actually complete dependence on God. That is freedom. So the Israelites had to learn, I don't know the way. I've been stuck in Egypt for hundreds of years. How am I supposed to know the right way to live or the right way to go? I've got to learn complete dependence on God. And you and I have to learn the same thing in the wilderness. Is this making sense? Somebody give me an amen. This is good stuff. I have been through really, really, really crappy wilderness seasons. And let me tell you, I literally, we as a team pray every Monday morning for you. And I sat right here at the foot of this stage on Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. And I praised God for my wilderness seasons. Because I've learned the intimacy of dependence and how powerful it is. But that's just number one. The wilderness has to kill our dependence on anything else other than God. Okay, that's number one. Everybody's saying number two. Number two is this. The wilderness kills our need to earn by teaching us how to inherit this is good. This is real good. The wilderness kills our need to earn by teaching us how to inherit. Okay, how many of you know what an inheritance is? All right, let me just expand a little bit in case you don't. An inheritance is basically when like a rich, uh, I'm gonna say a witch relative, a rich relative dies and leaves you like a ton of money. I don't have a rich relative. So my inheritance is going to probably be debt for my family. So I love you, Dad. It was great. You did a great job. But that's what it is. So we've got to stop learning how to earn and learn how to inherit. So here's what you and I need to learn about God in the wilderness series. Listen, 
everything he has for you and me does not need to be earned. It is freely given. Freely given. When you receive the name of Jesus, listen, this is great. When you receive the name of Jesus, you receive the family name. And as a part of his family, we simply receive an unbelievable inheritance of abounding freedom. But we, like the Israelites, have no idea how to inherit anything. Think about it. The Israelites would have had to obey and earn from Pharaoh and the taskmasters every day. If I do this for Pharaoh, I'll get a meal. If I do this for Pharaoh, I won't get whipped. If I do this for Pharaoh, maybe my kid will grow up a little differently. It was an earning. Literally, they had to earn their life. Enter into the wilderness. They have no idea how to do anything other than work, 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 work. And you know one beautiful way that God teaches them how to do this in the wilderness? By one of the Ten Commandments. Everybody knows the Ten Commandments. Right. The the commandment that was outlined the most in Scripture was the commandment to what? Does anybody know? Sabbath. Right? Sabbath. To rest was the commandment that God gave. Outlined more than any other commandment. So what does God do in the wilderness to combat their need to work in order for life? He teaches them how to rest. The Israelites had never known this. And you and I don't know this, don't know how to to live this way. Same is true for you and me. We are born trained to sin to work, 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 work. Does this not feel like school, okay? If you're feeling a little bit insecure, you know, we all get a little insecure. So you're like, how can I stop feeling insecure? This picture of me is pretty good. I'm going to throw it up on Snapchat or Instagram, put a sick filter on it. Give me some quick hits of likes. Work for affection instead of understanding that I've been already marked to receive love. How much you are liked has nothing to do with how much you are loved. You have been destined. Jesus Christ died, rose again, and now reigns forever for you to know that you never have to earn what you are purposed to inherit. Jesus, in Jesus, you get everything. All the love you could need, all the hope you could need, all the joy you could need. All the power you need, the authority you need. In Jesus, we get everything, destined to inherit everything. But we've got to learn it ain't about the work. It ain't about the effort. It ain't about the striving. You don't have to work for the things that Jesus died for you to inherit. This is good news. But the wilderness has to kill that in us. That's number two. I have one more. Number three is this. The wilderness kills our desire to go back to slavery. The wilderness kills our desire to go back to slavery. Um, how many of you have ever heard the term rose-colored glasses? Right? Here's basically what it means. You look back on something, and it's prettier, more beautiful, more fun than you actually thought it was. If you still don't know what I'm talking about, I think you might be able to identify with, like, maybe you've had a relationship before, however short or long it lasted. And let's be honest, uh, if it was pretty mediocre, like, it was kind of whatever. 
But finally, one of you break up with the other, whatever, whatever. And, but then the reality sets in of being single, okay? No more couples' Instagram posts. It was just Valentine's Day. You bought your own chocolate. You go to a party. You walk in. You're stoked for the party. What's up, y'all? I'm the 19th wheel. Okay. Everybody else there is couples. So the relationship that you didn't even really like at the first place, you start looking back and you're like, oh, no, he was cute. I mean, it wasn't bad. Like, our love was like a romantic comedy. And you start thinking about wanting to go back to that relationship even though it wasn't that good in the first place. Some of y'all, like, uh, I remember thinking about this my senior year of high school. Like, every day I ask y'all, how was school? Boring. How was school? Boring. How was school? Boring. For seven years. Even though you should thank your teachers. My mom's a teacher, and she works her behind off. So you should go and hug your teacher tomorrow, okay? They work hard. But I remember looking back my senior years, like two weeks left senior year, and I was like, these are the best years of my life. It was incredible. I met my best friends here. You're right. Rose-colored glasses. You know the enemy can do the same thing with your sin? Manipulate you to look back at the things that were actually holding you captive Jesus set you free. The reality of some stuff hits. You go back to school. People start asking you questions like I talked about. So why are you living so weird and crazy? Their interrogation literally feels like the hot sun of the wilderness. And you start thinking, maybe my sin wasn't all that bad in the first place. Maybe I actually liked living that way. Maybe that was actually the best way to live. And I have felt strongly pressed in this series. Hey, listen, if you're an upperclassman, especially in every room, across the state, or you've been at Fuse for a long time, or you've been saved for a while, I have felt so pressed to pray for you because let me tell you something. The time before I go there, you know that many of the Israelites for 40 years had to wander around the wilderness because they would not learn this lesson. That's the desire for slavery is not how you're meant to live. You were destined for freedom. So if you're a junior or senior in the room and it feels like you keep walking in circles, I'm free. I'm, uh, you go to your fuse group leader. I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. That's not defining me anymore. I'm fully in with this Jesus thing. The heat gets a little too hot and you're back around to that sin again. Your fuse group leader chases you down. You come back. You're just walking in circles back to slavery, back to slavery, back to slavery. And God is determined to not take you out of the wilderness until you learn this lesson. Freedom is promised to you. Don't go back to slavery. Pharaoh was not kind. Pharaoh was not providing for you. Pharaoh does not give you freedom. That house that Pharaoh built for you sucks. The relationships you had to live in in Egypt in fear are terrible. Stop going back to Egypt. The wilderness needs to kill our desire for slavery, especially in this generation. That addiction is not freedom. It's not good for you. That relationship you keep going back to to make yourself feel value, you will end it feeling emptier than you started. Let Jesus take you into the wilderness to allure you out there and to show you you were never meant to be a slave. You are a child of God. Stop picking up chains, wrapping them around you and thinking that's warm. No, you have a robe of righteousness destined for you that's meant to be draped over your shoulders. Let the wilderness kill your slavery identity. Now would be a great place to clap because this is good news.
You know what? El- you know what else? A slave mindset is that the wilderness needs to kill. This is a big one, and I'm sorry if it hurts. Apathy. Slaves don't care about their work. They're just trying to get through another day. I do enough. I made enough bricks to not get put in in chains today. I did enough for me and my family to get by today. Let the wilderness kill the slave mindset of apathy in your life. You were made for greatness. Stop living in apathy, young man. You were made for power to stand up and lead your generation. Stop living in apathy on your phone, letting other people define you. Stop living in apathy, young women. You are more than your appearance. You are more than your looks. You're more than your personality. A price was paid for you, for you to be free. So to kind of finish this, to answer the whole question, why wilderness? Because freedom starts here. Freedom starts right here in the wilderness. So welcome. We're about to get to walking for the next few weeks. But here's how I'd love to to end tonight. A little bit differently. I believe, and if you're taking notes or have a phone, go ahead and put it under your seat or in your pocket. I've told you to do this before, but if your neighbor's asleep, elbow them. This would be a great time. If you've been listening to music, take it out. You know, I get it. I love music. But without talking, please, I would love to invite everyone to stand to their feet as quietly as you can. Florence, lean in right here. Myrtle Beach, this is going to be big for many of us. Know this. I believe this with my whole heart. God has some powerful things that he wants to work for you and in you in this series. I've been praying that there'd be death to death in many of us. Things in us that will die. We will walk out of here at the end of four weeks, different people. But here's the encouragement tonight. Nobody's going to make you submit to the wilderness process. If you want to sit in the back of the room every week and just wait till the message is over or wait till worship is over, that's up to you. If you want to come in here and be on your phone the whole time, that's up to you. I'm not mad. I just know you're missing out. If you have a sin that the, the Lord brings up and, and you have to submit if you, if you want to go through this process of the wilderness because we can either submit to the wilderness process or wage war against it. I've done both with Jesus Wilderness, that hard stuff, you want me to address that sin in my life? No, I'm good. It's better over here in Egypt. But I I want to invite you, let's together as a fused family, as a fused ministry, let's submit to this wilderness process over the next three weeks. Let your fuse group leader press into you. Let your members of your fuse group press into you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to end tonight how the Israelites started their wilderness journey. Remember that little song that I read over us? The Lord is my God, my Father's God, I will exalt him with submission in worship to God and whatever he wants to do. So everyone at every campus, I know like, no, I'm not gonna, no excuses. Everybody, can we just put our hands in front of us like this? And 
And if this makes you uncomfortable and all you can submit is like, you know, the little hand, that's okay. I promise you by the end of the series, if you will give God some of your submission, you'll be surprised at how good freedom tastes. And then every series you'll be coming back wanting a little more to the end of it. You're at the front. I'll raise a hallelujah. Because now, hold on, hold on, hold on. That wasn't for, I'm just telling you, I can't hold it back because I understand how good freedom is. Even if it takes a wilderness to get there, it's so good. So we're going to submit to this wilderness process now as a family. Hands raised, I'm going to pray for us. Father God, you see hands raised in submission to you. We want whatever it is that you have for us in this wilderness series. If there's things in us that need to die so that we can live slavery mindsets, we've been dependent on all these other things to give us sources of life, realizing at the end of the day when they're stripped away, they leave us feeling empty. God, we're submitting to you. If we've been trying to earn and you want to teach us how to inherit everything, God, we submit to you. If we've been living in apathy, God, wake us up in the spirit because we want to live for you. For freedom, if you have freedom waiting for us, God, then we want to drink in every drop of it. I speak freedom over these young men, freedom over these young women. I speak freedom over generational ties. I speak freedom over slavery mindsets. I speak freedom over depression. I speak freedom over suicidal thoughts. I speak freedom over identity issues. I speak freedom over insecurity. I speak freedom over anger issues. I speak freedom, God, your Holy Spirit freedom washing over every room at every campus like a mighty flood that the only thing that can come walking out the other side is people made new and living free in Jesus' name. Let worship right now, Holy Spirit, call out a cry of worship like Anderson and Charleston and Columbia and Florence and Rock Hill and Myrtle Beach and Northeast Columbia and every campus across the state, every city like it's never heard before. We are free, so we will live free. Thank you, King Jesus. We love you. Teach us how to follow you, even in a wilderness, to the promised land, because we are on our way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.